0: when you look in a mirror you see yourself for who you actually are I could look in the mirror and I could say my goodness gracious where did all my hair go (laughs) it's gone and then walk away the mirror showed me the truth I just chose to ignore the truth and believe something different the mirrors do not lie when I was a kid My brother never ignored what he saw in a mirror. He never did. In fact, my parents would catch him sitting in front of a mirror for 20 minutes on end making faces at himself. Just over and over and over again. Faces, faces, faces. He still makes faces, though not necessarily in mirrors anymore. Mirrors. We all need mirrors in our lives. Something that shows us This is who we are. This is who we actually look like. But not only do we need mirrors in our lives, but we need to look at the mirror. We need to stare at it and declare, yes, this is me. This is me. Gray-haired with a beard that probably needs to be trimmed sometime." We need physical mirrors in our lives that show us these things that we would actually look at it and say, okay, this is it. I, I should probably do something about this. But we also need spiritual mirrors in our lives. Something that we look at and say, oh yeah, this is who I am spiritually. This is where I'm at. I've stood up here for three weeks. This is the fourth week. And the, through the course of these weeks, I've declared that we are all addicted to something. Every single one of us is addicted to something, whether we want to admit it or not, we are addicted to it. We all have a sin that we struggle with, or we have a sin that we've embraced as our friend and said, this is just what I'm going to do. We need to come to the point where we declare that we are powerless over our addictions, every single one of us, powerless over our addictions, our brokenness, our sinful patterns, that in our own power, our lives are unmanageable. We need to come to the point that we acknowledge the truth about God, that God is the one who is the power who can fully restore us. But we can't just acknowledge that truth about God. We must fall on our faces before him. There must be a decision to trust him with our lives and wills by accepting his grace through Jesus Christ. We must have these acknowledgments, these statements, these choices in our life. When we come to Jesus in our sinfulness, it's an amazing thing. Begging him to save us. He accepts us. In our broken condition, He accepts us as we are. He washes us clean from our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice on the cross on our behalf for us. He accepts us as we are, but He doesn't leave us as we are. He calls us to change If we've placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we've made that decision, we've drawn the line of sand, we've stepped across us, he has given us a new character, defined not by the sin and addictions of the past, but by him, in order to reflect him. So in order to change, we must see ourselves how God sees us. We must. Yes, God sees us. If we have made the decision to trust Jesus for our salvation, God sees us as forgiven he sees us as righteous. He sees us as justified because of Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. He sees us as all those things, but he also sees our sin, our addiction, our brokenness. He doesn't turn a blind eye. Yes, he sees who we are. He just doesn't hold all those things against us because Jesus died on the cross paying the penalty for those. It's done. And so he review, removes that sin, the consequences, as far as the east is from the west. But if he removes that sin from us, he calls us to remove, ourse- remove ourselves from that sin as well. Yes, he may not hold it against us, but he doesn't want us to hold it anymore. Paul writes this in Romans chapter 6, verse 1-2. to two. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin, How can we live it any longer? We must take steps to follow God in his holiness. And that first little step is to hold up a mirror in front of ourselves and to say, yes, this is me. This is me. Without the makeup on, without the hair stuff in, without the good clothes, this is me. David writes this in Psalm 51. Verse 6, behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. This is a really hard step because no one wants to see themselves for who they really are. But before we dive into this verse, will you pray with me? Father, King of kings and Lord of lords, the great I am, all sufficient one who is perfect in power and holiness in all sorts of ways. It is humbling to come before you and realize how perfect and holy you are and to see ourselves and how broken we are. That we say things that we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do. We look at things we shouldn't look at. We respond in ways that we shouldn't respond. We're proud we are selfish. We want our own way instead of yours. And yet you still love us. You still hold out your hand and say that we are yours. And it blows our mind because it doesn't make sense. But thank you for your grace. And Father, because of your grace, we don't want to stay how we are, but we want to reflect you. Lord, you, you, you are so beautiful. You draw us to yourself, and we want that beauty emanating from us. Teach us what that looks like. Teach us to be a people that is holy and says no to all these things that reach out and grab us. Teach us to say that you alone are all what we need, and your holiness is what we long for. Today, Father, as I open your word, I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Thanks, Father. Amen. Truthfully, none of us want to know ourselves for who we really are. We want to get through our life with as little pain as possible. So we put up a mask. We put up a mask to hide ourselves from other people. We put ourselves up a mask to hide ourselves from God. We put up a mask to hide ourselves from ourselves because we don't want to see. We don't want to declare, yes, that is me. Yes, I did that. I think about Sarah. Sarah in the tent. Don't know if you know the story. If you do, pretend you don't. Sarah was sitting in a tent, and her husband, Abraham, was outside talking with God. God. That doesn't happen very often, but three men, God being one of them, in incarnate human form came and was talking about Abraham, to Abraham, talking about the future, talking about how God promised that his descendants would be as many as the sand and the sea and the stars in the sky, and that Sarah in her old age was going to bear a son in a year. I remember preaching through this passage, and Art and Alice Buzzhart they were in their upper 80s, early 90s. They were sitting right over here where Kat was sitting. And I looked at Art and I said, Hey Art, how would you like to have a son at your age? And he looked at me with his big wide eyes and said, No. <laughs> well, Sarah heard God talking to Abraham and she laughed. She said, This can't be. It just this this incredulity that her in her upper eighties would have a kid, she laughed. She was eavesdropping. This was a discussion between Abraham and these three visitors, and, but every good wife eavesdrops, she was eavesdropping. <laughs> and she laughs. laughs. And God says, why'd you laugh, Sarah? And Sarah, all beat red in the face, sitting in the tent, says, oops, I've been found out. Sorry, God. No, she didn't say that. She said, me? No. I didn't laugh? This is God you're talking to. And God says yes you did. So often we go through life telling God, "Me?" No, God, I didn't do that. That's not me. God, you have the wrong idea. No, I'm not addicted to alcohol. I just like to drink it now and then. God, no, no, I wasn't actually pornography that I was looking at. Oh, you know what? I I wasn't gossiping. I was just telling the truth about the situation. I'm not gluttonous. I just like to taste all sorts of different types of food. It, wasn't, it was just a little white lie I was talking about. And all these other things, they were all little white lies too. Come on, God. I'm not proud. Goodness, why would you think that of me? I'm the most humble person in the world. So many different things that God comes in and gives us that little nudge of conscience. And all of a sudden we throw up the mask and say, Nope, I wasn't laughing, God. It wasn't me. We go through that life with that mask on our face, trying to hide the truth of, from our, about ourselves, from ourselves, from others, from God. Sometimes we're tricky about it. And we don't put up a whole mask. We'll put up a partial mask. Don't know if you've ever seen the Phantom of the Opera, but the bad guy in it, his mask isn't fully faced. It's just halfway there because one half of his face looks okay. And the other half doesn't. So we become the phantom and we put up a half mask on our face. We're open up about the problems of the past, the big ones. And we're open about the struggle that we went through. And we're open about the freedom and the godliness that we have because those are now in the past and we've worked through them. And look about what the great picture of grace that God has shown in our life because of the past that God has brought us through. And that is now in the past. But we quickly walk past the mirror of the present and we look in the opposite direction because we don't want to see who we are today. Because so often, even though we work through things in the past, we just transition to new sin and to new addiction that we don't want to deal with. We're the embodiment of what John writes in John chapter 3, verses 19 to 20. John says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Darkness is nice. Darkness is safe. Darkness is peaceful. I have a hard time sleeping if there's any light in the room, except if I'm really, really tired. I used to, when I was a kid, sleep and all, it was light, it was dark, I could sleep on anything, but I've grown finicky in my old age. Now, I love it when it's pitch black. The kids have nightlights all over the place, and I'm like, oh. But then if they go and stay with someone else, it is pitch black. And I just lay in bed in peace and relief. It is amazing. Staying in a mask is peaceful. Staying in a mask feels safe. It's what I'm used to. It's what I like. I would rather declare that I don't struggle with hypocrisy because it's easier if no one knows. I'd rather declare, I'd rather not admit that it's easier to tell someone, yeah, I know what you're talking about than to say, I got nothing. Could you explain this moment of ignorance? It's easier just to go along with it and say, yes, I know. Which is a lie. We who wear the mask are those in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Isaiah writes, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Why do we wear this mask? Why do we keep our deeds in the darkness? Why don't we want to take the mask off and stare at the light? It's because we're afraid. We're afraid. We're afraid of so many different things we are. We're afraid afraid of being overwhelmed by our sin. And yes, when the floodgates of our sin open up and we see who we really are and all that pile upon pile of sin is staring us in the face, it's overwhelming. It is overwhelming to see the sin that I constantly cherish in my heart in spite of all that God has done for me. It is overwhelming. And to reflect on it, I realize that there's nothing I can do to change all of the evil that is in me. There's nothing that I can do to atone for all of this sin I keep doing over and over and over again. There's no way even that I can confess all of this sin because every day I look at myself and I see more fully how evil and sinful I am. But as I reflect upon the sin of my life and all the things I'm addicted to, turning to them instead of to God as I'm overwhelmed by it, I see God's amazing love shining through it. That God was able and willing to take all of that pile upon pile and a pile on himself. Not because he was forced to do it, but because he wanted to. Because he loved me. He loved all of us so much. Seeing The overwhelmingness of my sin allows me to see the overwhelmingness of God's love all the more. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 3, 19-20, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price to honor God with your bodies. The realization that, yes, there was a price that Christ paid doesn't push me down. It lifts me up because Jesus said, that is a price I'm willing to pay to know you. I love you so much. There's a lot of things we're afraid of as we stare in our sin. Maybe we're afraid to acknowledge how evil we are. Our identity has been so wrapped up in the lie of how good we are that we don't want to open up and show how bad we are. We don't know how to live apart from the lie that we've been living. It's like we have a bad friend. And that bad friend is influencing us in all sorts of different ways. And we acknowledge the bad influence that friend has, but we don't want to give up that friend, because if we give up that friend, we're not gonna have any friends. And so we keep that friend along, even though it's it's bad. So are our sins. If we don't acknowledge them, we don't have to change. We can maintain the status quo. If something ain't broke, don't fix it. My life is going along just fine with these little pet sins. I don't have to acknowledge them. I don't have to show people what's going on. It's okay. Unfortunately, it is broke. It's been broke for a while. There's so many things we're scared of. Perhaps we're scared of the results of the truth. A good long look at a spiritual mirror will not only reveal our sinful actions, our sinful inclinations, but it will reveal the reasons behind them. A good long look in the mirror will reveal the idols that we are worshiping by doing these things. Yes, we might be a workaholic, and that's true. It's not good to be a workaholic, but why are we a workaholic? Perhaps we enjoy a comfortable lifestyle that that comfortable lifestyle is more important to us than God himself. And so we're a workaholic. And we don't want to see those idols. We don't want that to be revealed to us, so we keep shoving them down. We keep removing mirrors from around our house, saying, God, I don't want to be con- convicted today. You can do it next year, but not right now, because I, st- I want this, and I don't want to see how bad it is. There are a lot of things we're scared of. Perhaps we're scared about being truthful, And we're afraid that if we're truthful with ourselves, then God, we're going to have to be truthful with someone else. And that's scary. And that's what we're going to be talking about next week. So you can take that fear and you can stuff it down right now. You don't have to deal with it. Every day we have a choice. Every day we have a choice. Are we going to live that day based upon fear or are we going to live that day based upon the truth of God? Are we going to live based on fear, or are we going to live based on the truth of God? Living based on fear is not a good way to live, but it's amazing the blessings that come when we live on the truth of God. Paul wrote this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and thanksgiving, prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present requests to God. So when we come to the spiritual mirror to see ourselves for who we really are and we're slowly coming up to that mirror and we start walking slower and slower and slower and slower because we really don't want to see what's in it because of this fear that's holding us back. We just want to turn around and run the other direction. We stop and we say, God, I'm scared. I'm scared to see myself for who I am. I'm scared to acknowledge that sin and that addiction. I'm scared to acknowledge this idol that I know is behind it. I'm scared to acknowledge the ways that I love all these things other than you. I am afraid of it. And I know you're calling me to stare at it straight in the face so I can get healing, but I don't want to. I am scared. Help me. Paul writes an amazing truth that when we open up to God, and tell him our fears and our feelings and our cares. Paul says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's amazing what happens. Instead of staying in the dark and pulling a blanket over her face saying, I don't want to do it. And we step into the light and say, God, help me. I need your help. I know I'm broken. And you're the only one who can fix me. Help me. Help me. God gives us the help that we need. So we rip off that mask and say, yes, God, I know. I know this is truly who I am, and I'm so, so desperately sorry. Why do we rip that mask off? Why do we do it? If, if we have the mask and we're scared to take it off, why would we do? Why would we take it off? Well, it's because he tells us to do it. Paul, uh, David writes, Psalm 51, 6, Behold, you, God, desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Now, I hate to break up this sermon, but I have to discuss a little bit of translation. I just quoted for you the New American Standard Bible. Okay, if you pick up the English Standard Version, it's going to say basically the same thing. If you pick up the King James Version, it's going to say basically the same thing. If you pick up the NIV Version, the New International Version, the version I normally use, it's going to say something different. This is verse 6. We're going to go back to verse 5. The NIV says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. The original language says innermost part there where it says womb here. The New International Version translators looked at this and said, oh, he is referring to his mother's innermost part. And so they put womb there. I believe that is a misapplication because if you look through the rest of the psalm, I challenge you to do that. Look through the rest of the psalm. David's talking about himself through the entire psalm. And so I believe the innermost part ties to David. Either way, God desires us to live with integrity, to be truthful about who we are in public and in private, be truthful about who we are and what we say and what we know. We must be truthful in our innermost parts, acknowledging faithfully, this is who I am. Therefore, I will speak and I will declare the whole truth. This is it. That's what we're supposed to do be truthful, be faithful in integrity in who we are. In fact, God inspired John to write the verses that we're going to discuss next week. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar, and His Word is not in us. These verses are pretty blatant in the face. Yes, so why do we take the mask off? Why do we reveal, look at ourselves in the mirror, say, this is who I am? It's because God tells us to do it. But we also do it because when sin and brokenness are brought into light, an amazing healing comes to us. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter five, verses eight to 13. He's writing in Ephesians, he says, for you were once darkness, But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes light. We are not to have anything to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but we are to expose them. We are to say, yes, this was me. This is what I did. I bring it to light. And when we fling the mask off, we stare in the mirror and declare to ourselves and God, this is me. I'm ashamed of it, yes, God. But this is me. God, change me. And when we do that, when we bring it to the light, it becomes illuminated by the light. And suddenly our deeds are those that were instead of those that are because God works and changes us. But as we look in the mirror and say, yes, this is me, God. This is who I am. This is what I do. It can't just be this broad statement. Lots, like, lots, lots of times when you're amongst Christians, lots of Christianese come out where we say, oh yes, I realize I'm a sinner. God, forgive me of my hypocrisy, I'm a sinner. And we use these broad categories, which, is, which isn't bad. It's good sometimes to use those broad categories. But it's one thing to say, God, I am proud. And it's another thing to say, God, I am proud in these specific ways. When we look in the mirror, we must be detailed about it. We look at the things in our life and we're honest about our resentments, our fears, the harms that were done to us and how we responded to that, the harms we have done to others, sexual misconduct. And we looked at the thing, the thing that is most convicting to us. And we, we look in detail at all the events and the behaviors and the activities surrounding that issue. We must be detailed when we look in the mirror, which isn't fun. No, it's not fun. It's not fun at all. But healing comes when we bring it to all the light and we hold up a record of our pains, our sins, our struggles, and it gets tiring. It gets really tiring to have a, a, a full, fearless look at ourselves. And the list can get pretty long if we get to take the time to do it. And it better get long because we are broken people. And if we're willing to say, God save me, help me, but only in this area. We're not going to get God's healing because there's still places that were skeletons were hitting in the closet. And for each item, we explore it. Remember what I said earlier. We don't just look at action and say, "Yes, I lied." That's good to confess that, that you lied, but why did you lie? We need to look at the action and the why because we want to unearth the idols. We, we who follow Jesus Christ are not called to, to be what's, what's known as behavior modification, where we just take a life and we change the behavior so it looks squeaky clean on the outside. That's what the Pharisees did in Jesus' day, and he called them whitewashed tombs, because on the outside they looked good, but on the inside they were full of bones. We're not in for behavior modification. We are, we are here to say, yes, there's this bad thing that I am doing, but why am I doing it? What is the bones behind it? What is the idols behind it? Why in the world am I a people pleaser? I talked about that several weeks ago, how I struggle with pleasing people rather than God. Why am I doing that? What am I trying to get from pleasing people where God is standing over there saying, I'm all you need. What you're trying to get, just turn to me. I'm going to give it to you. So for each thing that we look at and we say, God, I'm struggling with this, we write it down, we explore, we plunge the depths, we pull out a notebook. I hate writing, but I do it. I encourage you to do it. Pull out a notebook and we say, I'm going to do it. And then we say, I don't have time for that. And we close the book. We do something else because we don't want to do this. And if you say, I don't have time to explore the depths of my sinfulness, do it when you can't sleep. Do it when your spouse or your sibling is making you angry and you just want to get away go into a closet, pull out the notebook, and instead of tearing them apart in your mind, tear yourself apart. It's better. So we take, we describe what the thing is, the sin that God is convicting of us right now. We describe the harm that that sin has caused. We write out how we responded in those ways. The ungodly responses and all these things. We list the nature of the response. Then we write down what we valued. Do you want an example of this? Thank you for asking. Years ago, I wrote this in my journal, Transparency, okay? My issue, this is what I wrote, word for word. My issue of people-pleasing harms my friends. It has caused them harm because I was scared of what they thought, so I wouldn't open up to them. I wouldn't tell them when I was hurt or when they could grow spiritually. I would, I would stretch truth or spin in order to escape losing face. I responded to this harm I caused by escaping times or situations when I would have to talk. If people asked a question, I would evade because I felt insecure. My response was insecure, self-protective, dishonest, fearful, prideful. My harmful behavior and response valued my ego, my security, my sense of respect, which are all idols for me. I took this thing that God was convicting me of, and I tore it apart, and I found out these are the things that I'm worshiping, I'm worshiping my ego, I'm worshiping my security, I'm worshiping my self-respect. And if I would stop and stop instead of saying I need to get this from people, but to say God, I realize you, you are my identity. All my worth is in you. Not in myself, not everything, it's in you. You are the one who protect me. I don't have to protect myself. These people don't have to protect me. God, you protect me, you give me security and God, My respect is in you, not in anyone else. The chains fall off when we're able to say this. Instead of saying, I'm addicted to this, God, you are gonna supply. That's when the chains come off. The reveal, taking the mask off. What is the result of doing all this? As I said, going through all this pain, taking the time to make a searching and more fearful moral inventory of ourselves. What is the result we prepare ourselves to be radically changed by god we open up our lives all of it and say yes god i agree with your assessment of me i want to be completely changed by you every part of me all the closets, all the rooms. I want complete revival in my heart. Do it. And as we cry over our sin and our brokenness, admitting that we need God's help in all these other areas, we will experience the truth of so many verses in Scripture if we would just open ourselves. Psalm chapter 56, verses 8 to 11. The psalmist writes, Record my misery, "'List my tears on your scroll. "'Are they not in your record? "'Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. "'By this I know, I will know that God is for me. "'In God whose word I praise, "'in the Lord whose word I praise, "'in God I trust and am not afraid. "'What can man do to me?' "'Isaiah, Isaiah 53, verses four to five. "'Isaiah writes, "'Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering.' Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. The author of Hebrews writes in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Hebrews four, fourteen to 16. The author of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. The psalmist writes in Psalm 34, verse 18, he says in Psalm thirty-four eighteen, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus says in John 14, verses 16 to 18, John 14, 16 to 18, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, 1 Corinthians two twelve. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Isaiah writes in Isaiah 58, verses 11 to 12, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Paul says in Ephesians chapter three, verses 14 to 19. Ephesians 3:14 to 19, "For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every heaven, every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Do we want to know God intimately do we want to have the blessings that god promises throughout all scripture all the ways that he says i willingly want to help you i willingly want to give you strength to break the chains of sin and addiction and death in your life if we want that we are called to live with integrity in our innermost being to live with wisdom in the secret places of our lives We're called to look in the mirror and say, yes, God, this is me. This is me. And not look away. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you that you are the God who looks at us and sees ourselves truthfully. There's nothing that we can hide from you. It's all there. Even when we want to hide it, you see it. For where can we run from your presence? and not find you. You are there everywhere. Father, I pray that you would help us to see ourselves as you see us, to stand up for truth in all areas, to live with integrity and declare that, yes, this is me, i realize it, and I need your help. And Father, when we do, I pray that you would fulfill your promise as you always have and as you always will, that you lift us up and you break the chains. Lord, do it in our lives. Thanks, Father. you'd like to stand with me as we close with this.